the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Everybody, it's another Al Gatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM nine seventy. The answer, I am. You are. That is uh, from Getty Lee from the Lost Demos uh, of an album he did uh, released back in. Uh, let me make sure I get this right here. Um, he had released a solo album, My Favorite Headache. Uh, that was the album that he put out twenty three years ago. This is some of the Lost Demo stuff. Uh, of that album. I hope everybody, listen, hope everybody had a great New Year's. Uh, hope you enjoyed uh, the festivities. I was off for uh, about 11 days. Hope you enjoyed the best of from last week. But we do have a great show for you uh, this evening. Um, our first guest right out of the box. It's all about dry January, right? Everybody's sort of taking that reset. Um, maybe they indulged a little too much over the holidays. I I don't know if I indulged too much, but I definitely got to explore a couple of different breweries, which was great. But um, coming up in 20 minutes, Eric Franco. He's the vice president of U.S. sales from BrewDog USA. We had him on back in November, and they were talking about doing something in January, uh, you know, having to go um, with uh, dry January. And so um, they have a new non-alcoholic beer that's out now, and it's a campaign that has kicked off uh, partnering with, a brand, with an app. We're going to talk about the beer, dry January, the app, lots of good stuff. Coming up in just about 20 minutes from now. But boy, is there a lot of beer news to get to. And will we have some sort of resolution with the New Jersey beer bill? I'll get to that uh, before the end of the segment here. Um, And it is no secret, craft beer sales slowing across the nation. One of the trends um, that I think a lot of people are going to see in this business is closures, brewery consolidation. Guys getting together and saying, look... Uh, maybe a part we can't do that great, we're not making a lot of money, but maybe together, if we pool our resources, maybe we'll be able to do some stuff. So going into the holidays, uh, just about a week or so ago, Westbound and Down Brewing announced it had purchased two other Colorado beer makers. Aspen Brewing, with its brand-new 7,000-barrel capacity production facility, and Capital Creek Brewery in Basalt, Colorado. So Westbound and Down's director of brewery operations, Jake Carter, said, we've had a goal for some time to open more brew pub locations, uh, and I've always kept an ear to the ground for locations that might make sense. Founded in Idaho Springs, Colorado in 2015, Westbound has been on a roll of late 
having been named Mid-Sized Brew Pub of the Year in 2019 at the Great American Beers Festival, and they just took home three medals at the GABF's most recent competition, including a gold for its Westbound Select IPA, according to Westward. So um, this makes sense. You've got three breweries banding together in Colorado, and there's a lot of breweries in Colorado. So this this does make a lot of sense. Um, one of the big breweries is about to have a strike. On December 7th, the Teamsters Union voted to authorize a strike against Anheuser-Busch, a company that is still feeling the impact of the whole uh, trans-influencer uh, Dylan Mulvaney Um the announcement, the initial Dylan Mulvaney announcement took place on, on April 1, and in spite of Anheuser-Busch's many efforts to put the matter to bed, the brand has been experiencing serious sales declines ever since then. I, I don't think that was the whole thing, but I do think that that had a lot to do with declining Bud Light sales. I also think that, and we'll talk about this next in, in the next break, about um, how uh, beer sales have declined, not just with Bud Light, but everywhere across the nation. So 99% of the Teamsters that work at Anheuser-Busch have authorized a strike scheduled for February 29th. The union is seeking an agreement that improves wages, protects jobs, and secures health care and retirement benefits for 5,000 Teamsters uh, across the company's 12 U.S. breweries. This is some serious stuff and one that bears watching. We will see what happens uh, over the next month. Um, Ingenious Brewing announced on Facebook at the end of 2023 that uh, they are closing and have indeed uh, closed as of uh, January 6th, as of yesterday, Saturday. Uh, they had their last day of taproom operations. Um, they announced it is with a heavy heart that we have to announce the upcoming closure of our dear brewery. As many of you are aware, COVID-19 and the consequential uh, economic sociological changes have been brutal to the craft beer industry. We were no exception. Early on, we held hope that the economic climate would improve for our industry in time. We just had to weather the storm. We strapped down and pivoted every way possible to try and lessen the loss. Unfortunately, it is now nearly three years later, and despite multiple rounds of loans and the employee retention credits keeping us floating, the outlook is even worse than when this started. Sadly, with no end in sight to the financial losses and lack of viable assistance options, we have no choice but to close this chapter in our lives. Again, they closed back on January the 6th, which was yesterday on Saturday. Um, They said over the last six years, we have had the extreme pleasure of producing a product and brand that brought joy to thousands. The support we had from the community was amazing, and we are beyond thankful for everyone who helped us get this far. Along the way, we met exceptional people. We worked and made lasting relationships with exceptional people. These memories will last a lifetime for us. There is great solace in that. Cheers to all, Justin, Mike, and the rest of the Ingenious crew. Great beer. I got a chance to have them a little bit at um, Five Five Burrows Brewing uh, when uh, they were doing an event with, um, oh, God, I can't remember now. It was a whole eighty ski themed event, ski apre. I, I, I blank at the at the name now. But anyway, um, great event, great beers. Ingenious was one of them. I think they did like a banana Foster's uh, type of beer that was delicious, and uh, just sad to see them go. But this is not surprising in, in in the way that beer is going right now. They tried to pivot. Not at all the things they tried to do to pivot, but. It is, it's a very tough go when your business isn't open. It's only open limited days. Maybe you're not, um, maybe you're not set for can sales. Maybe you're just basing everything off a tap room. On top of that, you've got inflation. You've got prices have gone up tremendously over the last year and a half, including making beer, grain, all those types of things. All of it affects the bottom line. Do you raise your price? Do you don't raise your price? 
Um, All of those things factor into your development as a brewery, and that's a problem. And I think we're going to see more of this uh, as the year progresses here in 2024. Um, Gun Hill Brewing is doing their barrel-aged beer fest. It's uh, 4.0. It'll be taking place on January 13th. They've got a great list of breweries. Uh, Tickets are available uh, right now. Go to gunhillbrewing.com slash upcoming events. They'll have food available from Bluebird Kitchen. Limited number of VIP tickets are still available. It includes an extra hour of tasting, plus you get a 750-milliliter bottle of Bourbon BA Comes the Night of 2023. Some of the breweries taking part, Wild East, Departed Souls, Icarus, Hackensack, Grimm, Strong Rope, Finback, Jersey Cyclone, Vosburg Brewing, Fifth Hammer, Interboro, and more. Uh, again, get your tickets at gunhillbrewing.com slash upcoming events. And then finally, no surprise, um, we saw this coming after the deal fell through. Uh, Flying Fish Brewing has filed for bankruptcy protection just months after a deal fell through that would have seen the brand sold to Cape May Brewing Company. The Somerdale-based Flying Fish listed $1.3 million in assets and $9.3 million in liabilities in its Chapter 11 petition. It was filed Thursday, December 28th in U.S. Bankruptcy Court in New Jersey. The company is owned by Elk Lake Capital. It's a capital investment firm in Scranton that acquired Flying Fish back in 2016. Elk Lake Capital is also listed in the bankruptcy filing as Flying Fish's biggest creditor, unsecured claims of about $4.2 million. Celtic Capital Corps, a financial services firm in Calabasas, California, has nearly $4.1 million in unsecured claims of Flying Fish, according to the filing. So two businesses own the bulk of the debt here. Overall, the company listed $1.3 million in assets, about a half a million coming from brewing machinery and equipment, and it claimed more than $9.2 million in liabilities. Now, the petition comes amid falling gross revenue, in 2023, Flying Fish's gross revenue totaled about $3.1 million. That's a 23% decrease from 2022's uh, total of nearly $4 million. And then revenue is slightly higher the year before that in 21 at about $4.1 million. Uh, again, they were looking to merge with Cape May. Ryan Crow wanted the equipment uh, with Cape May you know, for uh, Flying Fish. Made total sense. Um, they said the brand and the legacy of Flying Fish would continue. Ryan had told the Inquirer. Uh, the Philadelphia Inquirer, but by June, um, the deal was off the table. Frank Stempin, the Cape May Brewing's president, told the Press of Atlantic City that the company backed away from the deal after extensive analysis during the diligence phase. Bankruptcy court filings did not indicate how the move would impact the brewery's production or presence. The company did not immediately respond to a request for comment last week. Uh, Gene Miller founded the brewery back in 1995. They're the OG. They're the one of the oldest operating craft breweries in New Jersey. Uh, it opened a brewery and tap room in Cherry Hill in 96. It moved its operations to Somerdale in 2012. And in 2022, it reportedly produced about 16,000 barrels of beer. The problem with Flying Fish is very simple. They got caught up in a lot of debt. Their beer was not relevant in New Jersey. I hadn't had a Flying Fish beer. I looked back on my untapped app. I hadn't had a Flying Fish beer in well over six, seven years. They weren't relevant anymore in New Jersey. And they had... Um, a really good salesperson who was really promoting the product um, and just couldn't get anything done. And they weren't moving the needle. And that's why they're in the situation that they're in right now. Right now. That's why they got acquired by a couple of venture firms, and that's why they're in bankruptcy right now, plain and simple. And it's sad to see, and hopefully something happens, but it's just a bad, bad situation. When we come back after a short break, we're going to have more news and notes from around the beer world Hopefully an update on the New Jersey Beer Bill as well, because the clock is ticking. There's only two days left uh, to get something done. This is the Alcatulo Craft Beer Cast. 
on AM 970, The Answer. Eight years old, running with a dime in my hand. To the bus stop, pick up a paper for my old man. I'd sit on his lap, in that big old build steer as we drove through town. Welcome back to the Alcatulo Craft Beer Cast. AM 970, The Answer. A little Bruce Springsteen from his latest uh, compilation of live uh, music. This is uh, Bruce Springsteen, the live series, Songs of New Jersey. And, of course, that's my hometown. He did that at the St. Rose of Lima School uh, in New Jersey. And there's a reason why we're playing some Jersey stuff. So we've got a big update uh, about the New Jersey beer bill. We'll get to that in a moment. Coming up in 10 minutes, Eric Franco, the vice president of U.S. Sales, for Brewdog USA, is going to join me. They have a new non-alcoholic beer that's out now in a campaign that kicked off uh, this month, partnering with an app. We will get into all of it, the beer, Dry January, the app, all of it taking place in just about 10 minutes from now. But first, lucky number seven, uh, just a couple of weeks away, or actually next week, until the uh, uh, seventh anniversary of Icarus Brewing, Nine special anniversary beers, four all-new merchandise items, live music from seven amazing artists for extended good times. They're kicking things off this Wednesday at 9 a.m. Three mouth-watering brews will be released on the web store, uh, followed by noon in the tasting room. Then on Friday at noon, uh, they're going to have their first merch drop. Sip on the next four liquid masterpieces hitting the tasting room and taps. At 6 p.m., they're going to have performances by a bunch of different bands. Uh, Then they will... um, Saturday, uh, starting at noon, Massive launched two new barrel-aged bottles, their second merchandise drop, as well as a number of different artists. And then uh, finally, Sunday, their hangover day, they're winding down the weekend, tapping four vintage barrel-aged beers and crisp lagers that will be exclusive for that one day only on Sunday, January 14th. Again, seven years for Icarus Brewing and, of course, their new tap room soon to open in uh, beautiful brick New Jersey. Cannot wait for that. Treehouse Brewing. So the majority owners of Charlton-based Treehouse Brewing have responded to a November lawsuit filed by an individual with a minority stake in the company, claiming the passive investor has been well compensated for his initial $10,000 investment in denying allegations of wrongdoing made in its lawsuit. Now, I won't get into all of the details here, but their response uh, from uh, Eric Granger, the minority shareholder who is suing them, has received... Over 850000 in distributions, they claim, from Treehouse after making a $10,000 investment for 2% of the company in 2012. Uh, the owners, uh, Lanier and Goudreau's legal representation, say even after tax payments, this would leave Granger with more than $250,000 in income, which would be at least a 2,400% return on his investment. Uh, they deny uh, any of the other uh, claims that Granger has made, saying that they had issues with background checks, um, with uh, you know buying luxury cars, uh, property, et cetera, et cetera. They claim a lot of this was done at personal expense to themselves to continue furthering the company. They request a trial by jury. 
Uh, and the response denies any wrongdoing by Treehouse or Lanier and Goudreau. So we will see what happens here. I would really want to dive into it more, but we do have uh, something more important to bring up. And obviously, you know, the Treehouse stuff, the more we get, you know, the, the, the more that's released, we'll obviously bring it to you. But the major news here, as we lead into this first, uh, you know, week or so of January, is the fact that after a long stretch where we didn't know what was going to happen, New Jersey leaders are poised to make some changes to open up the state's decade-old liquor license laws. They're going to ease the controversial restrictions on craft breweries, and under a deal with Governor Murphy and top state lawmakers, uh, they cut this to end this standoff. This from New Jersey Advanced Media. Now, um, obviously the governor wanted a lot of things here in this beer bill. He wanted to really reshape liquor license laws. He didn't get that. He The breweries got what they wanted. Well, almost got what they wanted. The vote is not taking place until tomorrow. So things could change, right? And it has to get to the governor's desk by tomorrow because the legislative session ends on Tuesday the 9th at noon. So if they don't pass it tomorrow, not going to happen. However, they have a bill. It's in place. They introduced a compromise bill uh, Thursday. The goal is to have both houses of the state legislature approve it tomorrow, Monday, the final planned voting day of the lame duck legislative session. Now, if the Senate and the Assembly pass the measure, the governor is expected to sign it into law. That's good news. I hope he doesn't back off at the last second here. Uh, he's going to get a little bit more of what he wants. He's not going to get everything. Um, so here's the deal. Um, the uh, This is what will happen. Uh, if the law is passed, it will activate some of the 1,400 dormant licenses in the state that have not been used at a restaurant or bar for at least eight years also known as pocket licenses. If a business does not use the license within two years, it effectively expires, and the municipality can auction it off to a new business. I like this move. Again, I don't want to tie to the beer bill. But I I like this move. Allow a municipality to transfer one dormant license and two every five years to a bordering town in need of more. For example, Montclair could transfer a dormant liquor license to Bloomfield, but not Newark. Okay. I like that. I'm not I'm not I'm not adverse to that. Allow towns with malls larger than 750,000 square feet to get two additional liquor licenses and those with malls larger than 1.5 million square feet to get four. It would be up to the town whether to grant the licenses. I like that. If the town doesn't want to do it, they don't have to do it. But it gives these malls, which again, people aren't going to malls anymore, but okay, fine. But it gives these malls the ability to bring in a restaurant if they want maybe a mom-and-pop sort of thing, uh, you know, whatever. But the town ultimately has to decide whether or not the license will be issued. Permit breweries, wineries, and distilleries to hold unlimited events and private parties on their grounds, but no more than 25 off-site. So there's the change. They get to do as many as they want at their place, but they can only do 25 off-site events a year. I think that number should be 50. 25 is a good starting point. I, I'm. We can get into this more next week. They would also be allowed to sell food, including crackers, chips, nuts, and other snacks, which they already do already prepackaged, by the way, as well as coordinate other food with an outside vendor. I don't know if that means food trucks, but it says outside vendor. 
The State Division of Alcohol Beverage Control last year suspended the restrictions against the breweries. Murphy and lawmakers negotiated. They were set to be reinstated uh, this uh, on January 1, but they delayed it until January 16th. So, um, you know, the which is the deadline for Murphy to act on bills. Lawmakers send him during lame duck. This new measure would end them. This is a good move if the governor signs it. Now, again, it has to pass tomorrow. They have to get it done tomorrow. They have to pass it. If it passes, the governor is expected to sign it into law. Um, again, I don't have a problem with the pocket license thing. I think if you haven't used the license in five five years, you should have to give it up. Eight years, more than enough time. You haven't been able to put things together, too bad. Goodbye, you, you lose it. So maybe this forces people to either build that restaurant or bar. Maybe it forces them to sell it at maybe a little bit of a lower price. Okay. But regardless, it has to move. The license has to be used. I don't have a problem with that. Again, I don't think it should have been tied to this beer bill. But okay, they're going to put it in there. It hel- It passes. Great. Uh, I'm all for it if it helps out the breweries. I like the transfer of a dormant license to one town over. Not a problem. You've got a bigger town. You need to do that. That's fine. The mall thing, honestly, who's going to malls? Let's be fair. Who goes to the mall anymore? Nobody. I don't think this does anything. And also when you say it's up to the town whether or not to grant the license, maybe a town maybe a town like Paramus says, nah, we're not going to do that. And you're stuck. So on that one, you're returning it sort of in control to the town. I don't have a problem with that. I like the fact that it's going to allow breweries, wineries, and distilleries to hold unlimited events and private parties on their grounds. That is a great move. That helps breweries immensely. Immensely. I can think of a number right off the top of my head. Bolero. Um, it would help out uh, Icarus when they open, source, number of different places. This is a good thing. And it would also allow places who want to hold some these types of events, they can do that. I think it's a great move. No more than 25 off-site? All right, so now they're going to have to cherry-pick and choose what they want, where they go, whether it's AC Beer Fest, whether it's Big Brew, whether it's whatever. Will it reduce the amount of festivals around the state? I don't know if it necessarily will, because there aren't that many. I mean, there are little ones. 25, I think I think the number should have been more like 50. I would have been happy with around 40. 25 is a good starting point. That's fine. The food thing is, is the bigger issue. Can you have food at your brewery? Yes. You can have crackers, chips, nuts, and other snacks. But are they prepackaged? That's the thing I want to see in the bill. Is it prepackaged? Is it, you know, whatever? But I like... Coordinating other food with an outside vendor. Does that mean partnering up with food trucks? I hope it does. Does it mean if they want to have a a restaurant? That, I believe, that's not the case. They cannot open a restaurant in their business. They can't do that. And they can't benefit off of the food truck. In other words, they can't do a deal with a food truck and they get a cut from the food truck. That will not happen. I believe Scott Wells told me that. Um, That is something that can't happen. So we'll see. Cautiously optimistic. The bill has to pass by tomorrow. If it does, the governor signs it. We will give you an update on next week's program. When we come back after a short break, Eric Franco, the vice president of U.S. sales from BrewDog USA, will join me on the program. This is the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer.
That is a song called Patterns by the Record Company as we bring you back here to the Alcatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. If you have not checked out this three-piece, I encourage you to do so. If you're in the New York area in early February, February 1st, if I'm not mistaken, at the Bowery Ballroom, I will be there. These guys will be there, too. They are awesome. Uh, and just really put on a fantastic show, sort of blues rock kind of thing. Uh, but they are just kick-ass, the record company. Now, my next guest uh, just joined us a few months back in uh, 2023 to talk about the great things that BrewDog is doing in the non-alcoholic space. With Dry January in full swing, BrewDog is now partnering up with a cool company that has a new app to help you survive Dry January and also a cool new non-alcoholic IPA too. BrewDog.com slash USA is the website for more info and of course they're all over social media as well let me welcome back to the craft beer cast the vice president of u.s sales for brew dog eric franco eric happy new year sir how are you al how are you sir happy new to you i am doing great uh i wanted to start with the partnership between you guys and sunnyside so what is this app all about from sunnyside yeah we're super excited about the partnership al you know and i think you know the app specifically, right, aims to really provide consumers an alternative to kind of this existing all-or-nothing sobriety-focused uh, program or time frame, right? And so that's really dominated the alcohol health space up until now. And uh, Sunnyside hosts every year. They host a, a dry-ish, if you will, January campaign, right. which is a month-long where users get to, if you will, modify their drinking goals with the, the objective of reducing their intake as opposed to this cutting out in alcohol entirely so we thought it was a great fit and we decided to partner with uh, these great these great uh, people and that and so you guys come along and you say hey let's brew a non-alcoholic beer why choose an IPA and not uh, you know maybe a, a pilsner or a lager or maybe a stout you know speaking of the winter months or whatever why choose an IPA because it's the most popular yeah I think it's a combination of it's it is the most popular we really wanted to kind of create a brand that really fit kind of what they were looking for looking for as well. Mm-hmm. IPAs are, as you know, uh, in the in the beer category, the number one style by far from a from a dollar perspective. And so we felt like our background is is primarily a, uh, a an IPA kind of portfolio. And we, we love IPAs. We love what that looks like and we felt like Bright AF would be really, really in line with what we do, but also with what Sunnyside does from a perspective of, uh, of their brand. And we're talking with the Vice President of U.S. Sales for BrewDog, Eric Franco. BrewDog.com uh, slash USA is the website for more info. They are, they're all over social media as well as we're here on the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. And speaking of that uh, bright uh, AF, the important thing, or one of the more important things about this beer, is that it's only 2.3 grams of carbs per can. That is an industry best. Now, was that part of the goal for this West Coast IPA? Yeah, that's part of the goal. It has 20 calories as well, Al, right? So it is a limited edition release. You know, what we produce typically, the way we brew our AF portfolio uh, is that we do really are, are very mindful with regards to the calorie and the carbs as well. So that lines up with our kind of our style and how we produce our brands. So Elvis AF is an example, or Hazy AF. They all have that 20 calorie, 2.3 carb kind of focus and, uh, and goal. So we thought... Why not add this to the complement of what we already do, but also in, in terms of what the wellness uh, aspect of Sunnyside is, we felt like that would, would be in line with their mission as well. 
And and I love that you guys are diving into the non-alcoholic space. You're not just dipping your toe into the water. You're just you're diving straight in so aggressively, but not shying away from obviously the you know the booze stuff as well, the stuff that does have alcohol in it. Is that a part of the sales strategy when you hit up a particular account, you know, options for a bar owner to say, "Look, um, not only do we have all this great alcoholic stuff, but we have options for you if somebody comes into your bar or restaurant that doesn't want to drink and but wants to have that flavor of beer." Here we have these non-alcoholic options. 100% Al. I mean, it's one of those things where we feel like as a brewer, we do have a, a responsibility to, you know, the retail side of the business to help them drive their, their business, right? And so as the Greg Strength business continues to evolve, uh, as now non-alcohol or what we call AF evolves, you know, being able to kind of go in and identify solutions for those retailers is much more, we think, robust when you can come in and say, hey, we have this non-alc portfolio. And then on the on this side, we have the, the regular strength as well. You know, if you think about the trends of, of the non-alcoholic beverage industry, uh, it's obviously going to continue to grow. And it's predicted to expand by over 25 points through 2026. Right. And then by 2030, you know, it's going to be a $1.2 billion industry. So having both in the portfolio is really, really important in our mind. Yeah, and that's the thing. I mean, you're talking about younger people, that generation that you want to capture, those that are turning 21, 25, 28 years old. You want to get them, you know, I, I mean, not that you want to get them drinking beer and whatever, but we're noticing now those people of that age group are not drinking as much alcohol anymore. They're sort of sliding back on that. And so the non-alcoholic stuff, you know, is more in the forefront for them. They want to be able to be, you know, responsible and, you know, maybe have a beer but not have a beer. And I think that's that's an interesting, uh, you know, um, sort of pivot from people of, you know, say 35, 40, 50 years old where, you know, the non-alcoholic stuff for some of them is just like, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I don't want to do this. I'd rather just, you know, not drink at all. But the other thing, Eric, that I think is very interesting is this app in Sunnyside they're, they're not encouraging you to stop altogether. It's sort of, hey, if you need to change a pace for you know a couple of weeks, here's this app to sort of guide you along what you can do in the meantime and still enjoy something responsibly that doesn't have any alcohol in it, right? Yeah, it is. It's about, it's kind of, it's about modified drinking goals, right? And it's, it's the goal, as you mentioned, of reducing the intake as opposed to cutting out alcohol entirely. So, you know, if you think about, it's about choice, Al, right? And right. so I think people, many, many years, there was kind of a stigma associated with, you know, not consuming or uh, not wanting to consume, right? And I think right. having a choice and having now high-quality products that, that align with that choice is really something that we feel in this space and alcohol and is really a, a super, super strong benefit. In the past, and again, not to knock any, any brands that have been around in the non-alcoholic but I think that the younger consumer also appreciates really high-quality items, and they're very educated. The consumer knows kind of what goes into uh, products and making those products, and I think the, the companies like BrewDog and others are producing products that kind of fit the goal of, you know, that, again, that that wellness, but also that ability to make choices alongside quality products. 100%. If it doesn't taste good, believe me, they're not going to drink it. They're just going to put it aside. So you've got to make a product that is not only going to be tasty, but that someone is going to go back to again and again. We're talking with the Vice President of U.S. Sales for BrewDog, Eric Franco, brewdog.com slash USA. That's the website for more info. They're all over social media as well. We're here on the Al Gattulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. So how can folks sign up, Eric, for BrewDog's non-alcoholic brew club? And what is the price point for the Bright AFIPA? 
Yeah, you can go, as mentioned, brewdog.com slash USA. Those bright AF six-packs are available for pre-order uh, for all customers starting at thirteen ninety-nine. Again, 20 nice. calories, 2.3 carbs per can. Really, really excited. And, and go to the website, take a look, or go take a look at uh, Sunnyside as well. Their, uh, their website's fantastic and really is a really easy way to, uh, to set some new health resolutions or try kind of what everyone is going after, which is a dry January challenge. Yeah, and, and the best part about it, that it's non-alcoholic, you guys can ship to anywhere in the country, correct? That is correct. Yeah, see, that's, that's, always a good, that's always a good thing. If you don't have to leave the comfort of your home in a couple of clicks and you get yourself some non-alcoholic beer delivered to the door, that's, that's always pretty good, too. Last question for me, Eric. Uh, 2024, just getting started. What does the first half of BrewDog's gear look like in terms of maybe some new releases or some, some fun things that you guys are going to do the uh, first half of this uh, 2024? Yeah, and, and appreciate uh, all the, uh, the ability to talk about that. We're, we're really excited. We have a, a, a new lager, actually. It's, a, uh, it's kind of a, a, a new take or a modern take on a, on a classic style, right? And so we are launching a beer called Cold, uh, Cold Beer. Mm-hmm. And Cold Beer will be releasing uh, and actually has just started releasing uh, this month here in Ohio with a very large grocery chain uh, here in the state. And we're expanding that out into the balance of the marketplace moving forward. We have a lot of different seasonals moving out. Uh, we have some really, really strong opportunities for uh, some really cool and uh, new innovative products coming out in March with our, uh, with our new variety pack that's called our seasonal variety pack with some beers that we're actually bringing in from um, different parts of the world where we grew. So we're, we're going to have some really fun stuff to introduce to the marketplace, uh, but cold Cold beer is our, our big major launch around the lager category, which we're really, really excited about moving into uh, into 24. Awesome. Looking forward to trying that. My guest has been the Vice President of U.S. Sales for BrewDog, Eric Franco, brewdog.com slash USA. That's the website for more info. You can sign up for the Non-Alcoholic Beer Club. You can get Bright AF there as well, and they'll ship it right to your door, which is pretty cool. Eric, thanks so much for joining me tonight. Very much appreciate it, my friend. I'll thank you, man, and have a great start to the year. You got it. Up next, it's time for Suds and Duds on the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970 The Answer. That's what I'm talking about. Rolling with it with the record company. Their fourth album, appropriately titled The Fourth Album. Welcome back to the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. Great spot with Eric Franco uh, from um, Brewdog and talking about uh, Dry January and how folks are um, you know, trying to do their part to, to, to be healthier, right? I mean, you know, we had all the stuff during the pandemic. People were stuck in their homes essentially for months. There's a lot of overindulgence, whether it was, you know, alcohol, food or, you know, whatever else. And I think in some ways 
we still haven't corrected ourselves and come out of it. And lo and behold, we're three years, four years, almost four years later now. I mean, March will be what? Four years, right? So, um, you know, it's, it's good to see. And it's good to see, too, before we get to suds and duds, it's good to see, too, that the company that they've partnered with is trying to tell you, hey, we don't want you to stop drinking, but if you moderate and you, you know, lessen your impact of alcohol, maybe it, over the course of a month, two months, three months, whatever it is, it will help you, you know, in, you know, longevity, whatever. Right. So it's a smart thing. They're they're giving you ways to you don't have to avoid alcohol completely, but enough that you're you know, that you're able to manage things. Always a smart thing. All right. Let's dive into suds and duds. So a few weeks ago, back at Paragon Tap and Table, they did a um, a collaboration event where uh, two breweries were on each of their taps and not every one of them, but most of them. And the tap that kicked first. Uh, would win, the brewers would win a dinner at Paragon Tap and Table. So instead of the people that are there, you know, drinking and, and winning something, the brewers would win a dinner at Paragon Tap and Table. Really cool. On top of that, they had a raffle. I think they were donating it to a local food bank or whatever, where they had different things from breweries. I ended up winning a couple of things. I think a hat from Other Half and some beer, uh, a glass from Icarus and a koozie. Really, really cool. So um, I, I was just impressed with all of the different things uh, that they had, in fact, one of the, oh yeah, no, no, I did check it. Okay. I thought I didn't check into the winning beer, but I did. Uh, it was actually the first one that I had, but I, t- I checked stuff out of order. Um, it was a fun night. It was great to chat with a bunch of the brewers. Great to catch up with a whole bunch of people. Um, a lot of fun, a lot of fun. Although, um, I think some people got in trouble that night. Maybe they overindulged just a little bit. I know I did just a tad, probably the last beer that I had, I probably shouldn't have had, but I digress. Anyway, Let's dive in. Um, one brewery that uh, that Paragon has been able to get on a consistent basis now, and it's only, uh, I believe, was it on tap? Yes, this was on tap. wasn't in a can. But my goodness, everything that these guys do is fantastic. Beach Casual by Hot Butcher for the World. So much goodness in a single beer. Uh, this was, I think it was two different breweries in Chicago uh, that paired up. Obviously, Hot Butcher is in Chicago. I didn't. I don't remember the other one. But my God, what's so much goodness in a single beer. Amazing. One of those beers where when my friends showed up, I'm like, you have to have this. Um, I gave them the, the winner first, but then you had to have this. I mean, it was just it was an unbelievable beer. Uh, down here on Magic Street by Carton Brewing uh, was one of the beers that I had. This was a collab with The Seed. Um, smashing beer. Hoppy, fun, just a really nice drinking beer. When I saw this, uh, when Augie posted his video on Instagram, I'm like, without a doubt, I need to get I need to get to this beer, and then finding out that it was at Paragon on tap made it even easier. I didn't have to make the trip to Carton; I could just go over to Paragon and have it on tap. Always a convenient choice for me, uh, but a delicious beer nonetheless. And I love the seed. I love everything that the seed does. If you if if you haven't been there in Atlantic City, you know you're at a casino for the weekend or something. Uh, do yourself a favor and stop at the seed. Uh, it is so worth the your your time. The beers that they do are fantastic. They do traditional stuff. Yes, they do IPAs, but the stouts are great. The uh, the, the the traditional stuff that they do, the lagers and stuff, unbelievable. Uh, mixed, for, I think they, I don't know if they do mixed fermentation. Yeah, I think they do. Saisons, uh, saisons, a big thing for them too. Fantastic. Everything they do is just amazing. 
uh, it is definitely a stop that you want to make when you're in Atlantic City. I mean, and it looks like the next time I'm going to get down there is probably April for the AC Beer Fest. So it's it's one of those things where I'm flip flopping. Do I go down on Friday night? Do I do I really spend a ton of money for hotels just to go to the seed beforehand, or do I just go down on Saturday and then leave Sunday? And you know, I know I'll get some seed beer at at, at the event, but I don't know. well, whatever. Moving along, um, Ross Brewing and Hackensack Brewing. Uh, did a collab together called Hackensack Hefeweizen, uh, a solid hef. Really, really good, delicious. Um, I know uh, John from Ross had some beers for me, and I haven't been able to get down to Ross. I was hoping to see him uh, that night. I did not see him, so um, hopefully uh, he and I will connect at some point, and I'll be able to pick up those beers. And uh, i got to get over to the brewery. You know, I, he knows I'm going to say this because it's, it's, listen, it is what it is. Ross opened, but their main building is not open yet. And, you know, they're trying to do things. And I get it. Look, you've got a nut to pay. You've got to, you've got bills to pay. You've got to get things moving along. Getting that building open, though, is critical to their survival and success. And, you know, if that doesn't happen soon, that's going to be a problem. I don't know if you're going to be able to weather winter and then be reopened again in the spring and, you know, still in the same situation. That stuff has to get done. And I know he's pushing it. Uh, and I'm hopeful that, you know, uh, sooner rather than later, they get that building open because it's a beautiful place. It really is. It's, a, it's on a nice piece of property. Um, it's just a that whole area of Middletown could become transformed if things break their way, and I hope that they do. Uh, the winner of the collab contest was Elephant Spider by Twin Elephant and Icarus. What an amazing beer! Uh, just smooth as could be. Deli- I, I I think I had. Two or three glasses of this. It was so good. Um, and really happy that both Twin and Icarus uh, won this. I think it's a great thing. Um, both great breweries. And by the way, Icarus's new building is coming along fantastically. I mean, will it be open by Lagerfest in June? Absolutely, I think. Will it be open even sooner than that? I think so. I, I you know, again, there's inspections, the state of New Jersey. There's a lot of variables. Um, I'm guessing before my birthday in April, they're going to be open. Um, and if I had to peg it, I'd say March, but who knows? I don't have any inside knowledge. I just know that everything is moving along there from all the pictures and postings that I've seen on Instagram and on Facebook. I think they're going to be open sooner rather than later, which is really cool because it's for them. It's a game changer. The, 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 it's going to be, you know, three times the size of what they were originally brewing in more space to move around. Uh, just a gorgeous location uh, in Brick. I-, I can't wait. I'm so excited for Jason and his crew. Uh, they deserve it, 100%. Uh, Playa del Mundo, uh, top, from Toppling Goliath. Excellent bite to this beer. I was actually surprised at how easy this went down. And I haven't had too much from Toppling uh, top Goliath lately, but it, it was fantastic. All the Rage by Abomination uh, did a Kolsch for that night uh, at Paragon. Absolutely amazing. Great beer. Uh, just a solid, solid Kolsch uh, that I enjoyed. Uh, one of the beers that I want, I actually, I want a four-pack of other half, right? So I doled out the other couple of beers to my friends because I've had tons of other half. And to be quite honest, I had a packed refrigerator in December, and I had to sort of, you know, whittle things down. So I kept the Forever Ever, which I've actually had before. I didn't realize. If I had realized that I had it, I would have taken something else, but whatever. Solid session. Lots of flavor for a beer that's, you know, right around 4.5%. Uh, this is a great beer by other half, which you don't see them doing too many of these. So 
Uh, definitely take advantage of it if you see it uh, and you like other half and you want something that's a little bit lighter but still has flavor. Uh, the Forever Ever is certainly up your alley. And then um, Jan from uh, our mutual friend brewing out in Colorado uh, sent me a couple of beers. One of them I did have before the end of the year was Fountain Keys. Delicious. It drinks light but has a nice hit of sweetness on this. It was smooth uh, for a, um, a Pilsner. Uh, really, really good. Um, even though it's a little bit, um, I think this was around five and a half. I don't remember. I think it was around five and a half percent. Great beer. I love what those guys do at our mutual friend brewing. Um, I cannot wait to get out to Colorado at some point this year, hoping to see a show at Red Rocks and, um, will certainly be making one of my stops at the very least, uh, will be, uh, at OMF. Um, Opal Idol by Hop Butcher for the World. Uh, Mike from uh, Paragon had given me a bunch of cans um, when I was there uh, that night for the collab. And uh, one of them was this. Super approachable sour. Wonderful notes of lemon, lime, and candied orange. Delicious. Definitely a a sour beer that I would give to somebody if I wanted them to drink their first sour. Uh, The candied orange really, really stood out uh, of the, you know, that and the lemon and the lime. The candied orange really stood out, but not over the top. Perfectly placed. And then finally from BrewDog, of this massive 24-pack that they had given me uh, of BrewDog beers, I had the It's a Butte, which is uh, fr- from uh, Christmas Vacation. It's a Butte, Clark, you know, when they're looking at the, uh, the lights and all the other stuff when um, a Cousin Eddie shows up. Uh, not bad. Nice pecan and toffee flavors in it. Slightly artificial. Slightly. Not over the top, but slightly uh, artificial. But a really, really nice beer. Uh, that's it for this show, and my thanks to everybody involved in the show, including my guest, Eric Franco from BrewDog USA. Uh, the great, uh, Darren Yellen, who's back with us at AM 970, The Answer, and of course, last but not least, the great Buddy Watson. I'll be back on the Joe Piscopo Show Monday at 6 a.m. This has been the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. Cheers, everybody. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.